What's up, Gumbo listeners? Demetrius Malbro here with another Data Protection Gumbo episode. And this one is titled, Why Having a Backup Strategy is Key in 2021. And to drop some valuable knowledge for us today, I have Brian White on the show. He's a Senior Principal Product Manager at Veritas. And also, he's an enablement specialist for Veritas Technologies as well. So he's been in the IT industry for more than 25 years with a primary focus on data protection. And Gumbo listeners, Brian will discuss the effects ransomware has had on organizations since the pandemic, the importance of a solid backup strategy, and the essentials of sending data to the cloud. And so much more when we get back from thanking our You'll never be immune to cyber attacks, but you can bring your A-game. With the secret secure backup technology, you become too tough and costly to crack, compelling threat actors to move on to easier prey. Gain the advantage today. Visit Asegra.com for your low-cost, easy-to-use, and hard-to-hack backups. Brian, what's up? How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me today, Demetrius. All right, Brian. So thanks for coming on the show. Let's dive right into into some questions. I'm sure Gumbo listeners are, are ready to receive, you know, some of the knowledge that you have. All right. Let's mix it up. Let's mix it up. <laughs> All right. So obviously, let's start off with the elephant in the room, COVID-19. So I, I just want to get your perspective since, you know, COVID-19 has hit and, you know, small and medium sized businesses are, are, are also impacted and affected by things such as ransomware. And some people think it's more of a, a large enterprise problem, but ransomware is definitely kind of a, all across the board, regardless of the size of the company. So what effect do you think ransomware is having just overall on on the world in general? Well, ransomware is in everybody's problem. So it's not just businesses. uh, It's also consumers, right? And users, people are home users. Uh, It's costing everyone, and I'm going to say billions of dollars if you take everybody, right? Businesses, consumers. uh, Mm -hmm. You have a ransomware attack happening about every 11 seconds right now. And many people are being put in a position where they actually are paying the ransom. The problem with that is they're not getting all of their data back. So theoretically, what happens is once you get hit, and I'm going to say for this, it's not if you'll get hit. It's when you get hit with ransomware, you have to be prepared to either pay or not pay. And what most people have to understand is not paying is your best option. Uh, we know when you look at Garmin, right? Garmin was hit earlier. This oh, yeah, year, right? I remember that. Um, navigation, you know, you think of Nautilus, all kinds of things are affected by that. And then Canon just got hit, right? So you think, you know, Garmin, Canon, city governments, you know, I had a relative call me a couple of months ago who got hit with a BitLocker ransomware on her home laptop. Wow. (laughs) So, right. So it's going from just one person with a laptop at home doing what they want to these enterprise companies. Right. And when we are working remote, right now you have what you call a spread out effect of ransomware because many home users or remote workers actually have some critical data on their laptops. Right. Mm -hmm. So these companies have had to do a shift on where they keep critical data, right? Sometimes that critical data is out on that end user at that endpoint. 
and hackers know it. You see, they, they know it because everything can't be in the data center anymore. Right. At least from the start, people now are triggering and shifting to make it where, OK, we need to make sure our critical data stays in the data center. We need to make sure our remote workers have access to that data through all of our security measures and products, because if it hits that end user, that critical data there and ransomware hits, they're locked and they can't get that data. OK, yeah, that's um, that, that's definitely crazy. Um I had a story myself um, that's a personal story. If you listen to some of the previous episodes, I said that I wasn't protecting my home system, but now I am <laughs> because I'm like, hold on there you now. Go. <laughs> How am I data protection gumbo and I'm not protecting my own? Now I have these podcasts to protect, et cetera. So I need to get on that. So I, I took care of that. Just right. letting everyone right. know. I am protected. Okay. So if something good. happens on my end, I should be able to recover quickly. All right. There you go. And that's a good point. That's a good point. Because a lot of, a lot of, even, you know, in software development, a lot of us, I'll say me too, mm -hmm. right? Didn't use, you know, backups at home. Yeah. Right. Just as our regular systems, even our, you know, my, my kids have college laptops. I still like, all right, you need to back your, your files up. Yeah. Because you got a paper due. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and if you lose that paper, you got to write that paper all over again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so you, you definitely have to have a backup. And we could talk more about that, too, as we go on. OK. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I spoke with someone from from Microsoft Azure team a few episodes ago. Mm hmm. And they mentioned that, you know, companies are starting to reevaluate their backup strategy. And they even went so far as saying that a lot of customers are starting to cut what data that they're backing up. Mm -hmm. Also, how long they're keeping it. Yes. And even if they still need to protect it. So, yeah, this this COVID-19 thing has definitely caused a, a new normal, a new way of thinking and also um, just a new way of living. So. Why do you feel that so many companies, I guess, don't have a sufficient backup strategy in place, Brian? Most of the time they don't have it is because they've never had to recover from a issue. And when they've recovered from the issue, it mm. didn't cost them money. So what you're seeing now is when people start to question their data protection strategy, that means they actually had an event mm -hmm. where it cost the company money. And I'm not saying expenses, but it can cost the company revenue. Meaning we've had downtime and my customers can't access my data. My employees can't do their job because we're down. We're losing money. And many people, when they think of that, it's like they didn't really have a backup. And when you think about a backup strategy, it's really a recovery strategy. So think about this. If I ran only one backup in three months, right, and the CEO of whatever company said, I needed this file, right, and that one file was on that backup, that one backup, and I was able to restore it and give it to the CEO, CEO and the company be happy, right, from one backup. Now, what if I did 100 backups and that CEO said, I need this file? And lo and behold, we didn't back up that file with any of these backups. Yeah, right. Someone's <laughs> in trouble. The company's going to suffer, right? So when you think about that critical data, that you're saying as you talk with the, the uh, person from Azure, right? Yeah. Um, people are trying to determine what data is actually driving their company. Mm. 
right? So um, do we care about some Excel spreadsheets that don't have anything to do with our finances? It might just be doing something with, you know, some protocols. We don't care about those, right? The Word documents that we look at that we don't care anymore. Uh, what about a certain application that we're using for testing? Do we care to back that up anymore, right? So, and they're, and they're t taking these choices because they have to be able to understand how can I get my critical data back as fast as possible, right? And that's the thing. That's why people are making that determination now on that data is really not important right now. I don't have to back that up. Or for compliance reasons, I may only have to back it up and keep it for, you know, three months. And then after that, I don't need it anymore. Mm, okay. So, so I guess you just answered why I guess you feel that companies need to have that sufficient backup strategy or that the lack thereof that strategy. And I guess as we're kind of full on in this, I'm going to throw a buzzword out there, digital transformation. Uh, and that's, yeah. you know, a, a lot, <laughs> a lot due to COVID-19 and, you know, all of our kids are, you know, at home uh, going through school from a virtual perspective and, you know, they, they needed laptops. And I even read about a laptop shortage that, you know, schools are scrambling yes. to, you know, make sure the kids are all online and then the laptops need to periodically check in and update and pull down the latest firmware version. It's kind of a mess right now. It is. It's all about, you know, that backup and recovery strategy and uh, making sure that you have, you know, something in place and you know exactly what, what needs to be done. So I guess from your perspective, what do you think is, I guess, the best backup and recovery strategy uh, for companies today? Right. And, that, and that's a, that's a, a interesting question because it's really based on the data that they're protecting and how fast they need to recover. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, there, there's a base rule that we call the three, two, one rule. Yep. Right. And the three, two, one rule means you got to have three copies of your data. And let's say I'm sp mm -hmm. specific for critical data. Right. Yeah. Two of those copies need to be on totally different mediums. Like they could be on two different discs or some can be on disc. One could be on tape and one has to be an offsite. Right. And the offsite is what we call that air gap. Right. It's, it's the copy that is not mm -hmm. uh, linked to your active resources or your, res your, your active workloads for your company. Right. When you follow this rule of your critical data. Right. The big thing that comes in is how long do I keep that data? Because when you look at the three copies, the way I look at when I say three, two, one, right, you want a quick time recovery. As long as you can recover individual pieces of data very quickly, right, that's one that's one part of that strategy that comes into play. And then you have to have a complete disaster recovery plan of all your data, right? So it, that's really the key to a backup strategy. The two points, I need to be able to restore certain data quickly. And I need to be able to do a complete disaster recovery of all of my data, right? And in order to do that, the main thing people have to do is test their recovery strategy, mm -hmm. you see, because that way they could determine what's the best strategy for me, right? Even though I say three copies of data, well, they may not have enough, you know, disk space or stores to do three copies, but they could do two yeah. copies very effectively. And they can also possibly use the cloud as the offsite. Right. And if you look at that digital transformation, cloud is allowing you to access data to recover quicker than offsite storage of tape. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Now, it's, it's slowly becoming 
you know, the, the main thing to be able to, to, to help with that offsite, but, yeah. um, it's faster. I will, I will say that it's faster being able to risk, being able to recover data from the cloud, as opposed to being able to recover it from a tape that especially that you have to an offsite storage vendor. What's faster? No, uh, cloud is faster to store. <laughs> oh, okay. Now I, I thought you were saying it the other way around that the tape is faster. I guess, I guess if you have. I guess if you have LTO 15, then it'll probably be faster. Well, actually, the movement of the data from tape back to your resource may be faster than moving it from cloud to your resource. But the whole process, what I mean is if 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 I told you now, go recover t- a data that you have on an offsite storage of tape, right, that might have been six months ago and recover it from cloud that you might have six months ago, it's going to take you less time to find it and restore it from cloud. That's what it's going to do. That's what I mean by the time. And that's where you have to look at the strategies, right? Because some people keep their tapes, right, on premise and fireproof safe, right? That's what they do, right? It's fireproof safe. They can restore their data. No problem. That's why they don't use cloud, right? You know, um, and some people look at it that we've had problems recovering from tape. We haven't been able to trust our tape systems, our tape drives, when you have that, cloud is a great option, right? It's a great option because it's there. And when you think of cloud, right, you know, cloud systems go down, right? Azure, Google, Taichi, IBM, those cloud systems go down. But the best part about that, they have people that's there to make sure they stay up as fast as possible. That's the big thing, right? Um, you lose a tape, you know, you can't access uh, access your tapes like in, in when COVID first hit. People can even get their tape drives, their tapes from their offsite storage vendor. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because the, the human aspect of it, right? They had the human aspect that was a gap, right? right. It's like, I can't even re- restore. So I'm losing revenue now, <laughs> yep. right? But when the, those that were doing it in the cloud, they didn't have a problem restoring. They would get that data and restore it and keep their business going. So there was an advantage to that cloud strategy going to cloud as opposed to those folks that were just using tape. Especially now, when with COVID hitting, remote access is very important. Being able to do things remotely is very important without the the use of a person intervening. Right. Yeah. And I guess we we we're, we're moving to to cloud now. And so, but Brian, what are you seeing? I guess from a from a cloud data protection perspective, like you know, sending data to to AWS or Azure or, or GCP. T- tell me what you're seeing. I'm seeing right now more people are trusting that it is a viable option now, um, especially when mm. since COVID hit. Uh, a lot of people did not trust the cloud before, right? Um, and a lot of mm-hmm. people just didn't even understand what, what the cloud meant, right? You know, they're thinking it's some fictitious thing that's sitting out there. And my the statement is the cloud is just a data center. <laughs> it's just a data center that's not part of <laughs> yeah. your organization. That's all it is, right? Um, mm-hmm. And now people in, in those data centers have now been beefed up, right? So you take Google, Microsoft, all these folks, uh, AWS, they've had a plethora of people, a plethora of people now moving to them to run their applications and businesses from the cloud, right? Right. So when you have that, they also had to expand and increase their IT efficiency for those clouds. Now you take that and you say, okay, well now my data protection on-prem, I can't, you know, at first I was a little worried about it, but 
these folks are beefing up their cloud systems now. Mm-hmm. They're making these clouds uh, more efficient, more proficient. So I think I will start sending my data to the cloud. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, with Veritas, we you know, we have a number of data protection solutions that all work with multiple cloud vendors. So it's really vendor agnostic. You could go with any cloud vendor that you want. Okay. Right. Um, we have petabytes of data up in Azure and in AWS. So mm-hmm. Veritas solutions work real simple, simple clicks to connect to a cloud storage and run your backups in just a few minutes. And I guess I hate to, to cut you off. So. Just a little bit on 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 you, Brian. So you you also so you well versed in backup exec and net backup, right? Pretty much, yes. <laughs> so I, gu- I guess one thing you may want to clear up for for our listeners as well, because you know when I was deep into you know it was ADSM at the time, uh, AdStar Distributed Storage Manager, which morphed into TSM Tivoli Storage Manager. TSM, yep. <laughs> now has morphed into Spectrum Protect. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, I guess, and I, I, I didn't think about this question, but I guess from you, I, I, I guess I want to understand. I guess the differences between um, backup exec and and net backup. Like, I, I know it's based on like the size, maybe like how much data you're backing up, or if you're dealing with, you know, a small, medium sized business, or if you're dealing with the large enterprise, then net backup comes into perspective. But I guess I'll give you a little bit of opportunity to kind of, you know, maybe explain that and, you know, what's the differences between the two products and, you know, how I guess some of the things that they can do, right? Right, right. Okay. Uh, great question. Great question. So a backup exec is more the SMB, you know, small to medium to mid market type of a data protection solution. Mm-hmm. It sits very well in the world of Microsoft. So if you got people that are working with okay. Microsoft resources, SQL Exchange, SharePoint, Active Directory, um, those type of things, even Azure, right? Okay. Azure Site Recovery. Uh, Backup Exec plays very well in those environments. Uh, the amount of data, it, it can be irrelevant, but what we do is we like, if you're more than 300 terabytes of data, then you're probably pushing it with Backup Exec. However, let me just say, Microsoft has used backup exec in the past to protect petabytes of data. Okay, so petabytes of data can be protectable backup exec, but it's based on the resources really that you start protecting when you go from when you shift from backup exec to net backup, right? So you, now we talk about the enterprise world. In the enterprise world, um, you have systems that are older type systems, Unix systems that are sitting out there with a lot of different platforms and applications that utilize those backends of those systems. Uh, you also have large databases like MongoDB, right? They come in, you got Hadoop, they come into play. And when you shift onto those, the resources that are being protected, that's where net backup comes in. It protects those resources, right? It also gives you a higher performance when it comes to, uh, and I'm going to say data movement based on appliances. So net backup has high, very high streaming backup uh, appliances, they come into play that can move data very quickly from one site to another site with these appliances. Backup exec doesn't have those. It used to, but it, we decided to scale it back and just keep backup exec software because you can install backup exec in 20 minutes and start running backups. Now, backup is a little bit more difficult to install and configure and start using backups, mm, okay. but it's made to be able to be managed by multiple people to get exactly what they want out of their systems. 
So, so when you look at it, it's the resources that are changed and sometimes the acumen of the business. Mm-hmm. We want appliances, right, for net backup. They want, they want to integrate with hardware snap mirroring uh, devices. All these are net backup, that enterprise type of things that you want to think of. Okay. Yeah. So, so my, my understanding was, was somewhat in line with, uh, I guess, what you just mentioned there. So yes. I think I still got it a little bit. You got bit. it. <laughs> you got it. And, you know, um, and, and the great part, like I said, both of them work uh, with multiple cloud vendors. So when you have mm-hmm. both, you know, SMB mid-market and enterprise folks looking to transition or think about cloud, both products work very well in their respected areas. And then, of course, costs. Right. Backup mm. exec is much more cost effective than that backup. Um, but net backup does allow for other services to come along to help implement and integrate with even other Veritas solutions that come in. Backup exec is simple to install. Right. Real quick. Get you up and running and you're protecting your environment very fast. All right. Yeah, I appreciate you um, maybe clearing that up for some of the listeners as well. So, you know, th- thanks for your perspective on that. Let's dive into, I guess, a little more on the security front and some of the compliance things that are are out there in the industry right now, especially like GDPR and from a financial services perspective, uh, dealing with like PCI DSS Mm -hmm. data. You know, what what are you seeing out there, uh, I guess, from a protection standpoint um, that, you know, GDPR is um, maybe affecting, you know, the way that people are backing up their data? Um, and then also some of the compliance things around PCI. Do you you have a perspective on that or, or what are you seeing, Brian? Yeah, I think uh, the privacy regulation. So the interesting part, GDPR uh, comes into play from Europe. Now it's shifting over into the U.S. and other parts of the globe, right? Yeah. That is one of the biggest things that is triggering people to understand what data should we be keeping, right? Mm-hmm. So when you had talked, you brought the conversation from Azure, right? Yeah. Uh, them also saying people are determining what data they should be backing up and what data they shouldn't. What apply the privacy regulations all come into play also to to kind of steer people in that direction, right? Um, mm-hmm. Should we be keeping all the data that we have on prem, right, or in the cloud, or how long do we keep it? So people right. are asking all these different questions, and it's also the content of the data, right? So when you think of payment card industry, right? You got to make sure all of your data is secure. So encryption is very important when it comes to whatever data that you as a company are protecting or utilizing, especially from a consumer, right? So if you have my data, right? um, I need to make sure that my data is encrypted and secured and nobody can get access to it. And, And as we can see, ransomware attacks, people are breaking that, right? So if you're not encrypting your data, if you're not having very tight security of your data, right, and if you're not limiting the access of the data, you're basically going you're, you're gonna to fall through the cracks of any privacy and compliance regulations. Fraud, security, lack of trust is very big right now for end users, right, for the consumer to all of these customers, right, even employees, right, even an employee of a company, you know, how, how protected is my, my confidential data? I need to make sure that you're protecting my data, that it's secure. And all of these things are coming out and people are getting sued. Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> people, lawsuits are, are coming in by large numbers. because getting locked up too. 
getting locked up, right? For these pri- for breaking these privacy regulations. Right. And so it, it's it's a big thing, uh, but I think people. I think we're going in the right direction to understand what's important and what a company should keep mm-hmm. uh, and what they should, and I'm going to say redact, right? Because sometimes you have to keep data, but can you hide that data? I still have it, but it's encrypted. So it doesn't matter if somebody gets it, they can't break that encryption, mm-hmm. right? So you have that as well. So it, it, it seems like it's a natural thing to ask um, you to put your, your crystal ball on your crystal ball hat. Um, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you've ball. been in the industry maybe a little bit longer than I have. So you have, you have 25 years of experience and you know, I'm, 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 no. I'm not going to say how many I have. No, I'm just kidding. Um, probably about 20, <laughs> 21, but about 20? Uh-huh. as I'm a little bit removed uh, from the backup and recovery industry, mm. but not from the podcast perspective and knowing what's happening, you know, in the industry and news, like I am on top of the news. Okay. I need to, stay in tune with what's happening in the backup and recovery industry. So what do you think the backup and recovery industry trends are going to be, let's say, in the next um, one to three years? The next one to three years, um, and you hit on something, which is one of my things about automation, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And and I'm going to say automation, machine learning, cloud, and it's going to be interesting, voice activated. Okay. Mm. So if we think automation, um, when it comes to data protection, automation will come into play of being able to instantly back up data when it's changed. Right. That's going to have to be the case that comes in. Right now we're using schedules, right? You schedule a backup to happen, um, to move that data, things of that nature. But as we progress in the future, we're going to have to be able to automate these things. Right. Instant back. And some things do. Right. We do have some endpoint protection solution, Veritas, that will back up files instantly as they change. Right. But we're talking about everything. We want to be able to get everything done. Right. And it's all going to fall on the three tiers, the three, two, one concept. Right. When you look at cloud. Right. Being able to access the data from anywhere in the world. Right. That's going to be the key. If the CEO is in Japan who needs access to a meeting or data, right? They're going to have to be able to get that data. And even on a recovery point, right? If he has to pull a revision of something that, uh, you know, that he lost, right? He has to be able to get that data as soon as possible. And the cloud is the only way you really can do it. Because if you're going to try to log into your systems, you got VPNs, right? You got, you know, network firewalls, you got all these things, but cloud is going to be your entryway for everything, right? Now, the cloud vendors know this. So when you think of ransomware attacks, encryption, replication, these platform guys are doing all kinds of things in the background to make sure that these systems stay up, that your data is protected, that they have encryption. So cloud is going to be there. Machine learning. Machine learning is already taking place. The concepts of learning your habits, learning your trends, and to make things more accessible to you faster, right? So when, when I take machine learning and voice activated, when I think of data protection, if I have automated instant backups of my environment and then I bring in voice activation from machine learning to say, please recover the PowerPoint from Welcome to Backup Exec from this date, boom. I shouldn't have to type in anything. The machine learning, the voice activation should all be able to integrate with the data protection solution to find that file and recover it and also recover it from the fastest point. Because say, like, I have three backups, right? I wanted to restore from the one that has, gives me the fastest recovery. 
And that could be my distance on-prem as opposed to pulling it from the cloud, right? So I look at these things coming together as what the future data protection looks like. It's going to be faster because you're going to have to have automation. You're going to have the machine learning. You're going to have to use the cloud. And voice activated, that's just something yeah, I think yeah. is fun. I think will <laughs> will be a, a plus for all of those going together. <laughs> yeah, and I've had total episodes just on something that 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 you you may may have forgotten, or I don't know if you've even uh, worked worked with any or not, but like container solutions, like Kubernetes, because it's all about the application mm-hmm. layer. Um, yes. And that more and more now, you know, no one's really caring about. Uh, backups right but but not caring about backups meaning not caring about the infrastructure that goes along with protecting backups because the future is going to include things like ai artificial intelligence and machine learning and self-aware self-aware data like the data knows exactly you know hey i need to protect myself let me let me go ahead and exactly the futuristic quantum computer type type stuff that that, <laughs> that you know that, that's going to come down the pipe um but yeah th- thanks for sharing sharing that that crystal ball view brian i really appreciate it and um just giving you the the closing gumbo question and this is an entirely new one that i have yet to ask anyone you are the first person Uh-oh, i get the new question the new question <laughs> because the previous one was what make you angry enough to stand in front of a data center and protest about it, but I'm not asking you that oh. one. All right, that that was an interesting yeah, don't one. Don't ask me that one. <laughs> <laughs> this one should be easier for uh, you, though, Brian. Okay, so, all right. So this is uh, w- what would you tell your 16 year old self, Brian, if you had an opportunity to travel back in time to secretly change your destiny? Mm, mm. <laughs> 16 now. 16. Think of all the things that you were doing when you were 16. <laughs> oh, my answer is not going to be what you think it is, but go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Sorry, let's, 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 keep it, let's keep it rated PG. Oh, no, it, right. it is. It is <laughs> I'm just kidding. Nah. Um, my 16, a couple of things, to be honest, right? Uh, I will say a couple of things. Uh, I will say the first thing is I should have ran track all through high school except for my last year. Oh, <laughs> really? Okay. That's, the, that's, that's my athletic conversation right there. I mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, ran track through that. Um, I think the other thing would have been uh, for me to read, read more. Mm. Um, one of the things I, I was... I, you know, 16 high school, I, I, I just didn't like reading. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and that was one of the things I think was, was a gap in some of the things, uh, that could have helped me long in college, even in college, I didn't read much in college except for the content that I had to, to do. But I think reading gives you a more of an all around base of, of the world. Let me just say that. Right. Um, and it's, and I can't say specific things to read. I just think different things to read. Um, I love to hear, have conversations of different people's perspective verbally. Um, and I think if I'd have read more back then, I would have also been able to take some people's perspectives through that content as well. Um, uh, so, it's, so I think reading would have been um, my biggest thing. I would have read more. And it could have been, like I said, anything. Right. Um, um, I think it it allows you to 
take visual knowledge, right? Which is, this is going to be interesting, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> when you're okay. reading, I think it takes that visual knowledge. It transforms you into a thinking knowledge and then you can do whatever you want with it, right? Mm. Because as long as you see it, once you see that knowledge and this, you know, some people that, that aren't able to see, right? They can use Braille yeah. or whatnot. But um, I think that seeing and connecting is important. Um, mm. And the other thing that the reading does, and this is different too, is seeing and allow you to connect the people. Right. Um, okay. I think sometimes uh even even as i started reading more as i got older and did start reading you know those things help me also connect with people right um, okay and i think yeah. that's important uh, yeah I, I appreciate you sharing that and as you were talking i was like reflecting on my end like man is 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 he is he talking to to my 16 year old self <laughs> if, if you try to get me to open up a book um, when I was 16, you know, I could tell you some of the other things that I was interested in, yeah. um, you know, but that that's not a part of data protection gumbo. But, yeah. <laughs> um, and right. then, you know, in college, it was all about just graduating, graduating, right? reading, reading yeah. the required text that is correct that came along with it. And until I stumbled upon, you know, like African history and learning about the pyramids. And, yes. Mm -hmm. You know, King Tut and, you know, all of the interesting things that happened, you know, back in Kemet, et cetera. Yes. Um, I was just fascinated about, you know, by that mm -hmm. stuff because it had to be something that intrigued me in order for me to pick it up and, and, and read it. Yes. So I definitely feel you on that one, Brian. And, um, you know, yeah. thanks. Thanks for, for answering that question and being transparent. No problem. <laughs> uh, and I, I know you didn't expect it because it's not dealing with, um, you know, backing up data, et cetera. But, you know, I think it's important to, you know, back up our ourselves, right? Back up our yes. memories and try to recover our memories. That is correct. You know, even if it's from the perspective of, hey, here's what I learned now versus, um, you know, what I did in the past. And, and, and I've taken this to move forward with, and I can maybe share that advice to help someone else. So, yes, a hundred percent, right? I I do believe a lot of people think that people can't change. I, I totally disagree. Mm. Right? I think yeah. the knowledge that people bring in uh, allowed them to make decisions, and some of those decisions means that they have to change from a decision that they thought about, you know, two years ago. Did they have to do now? Um, um, and, and that is part of that, that is part of that reading concept that comes into play as well. Right. Um, and just, you know, integrating with people, right. I love right. people. Um, yeah. and I know, you know, we're not perfect. Right. And, mm -hmm. and I look at it as I don't expect anybody to be perfect. I expect people to be human. Um, and we'll, we'll make it through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. It. Definitely. Definitely. You know, we'll make it through. <laughs> well, all right, Brian, thank you again for taking time out of your day to come on Data Protection Gumbo. Is there any any way, I guess, via social media, maybe on LinkedIn or Twitter that you would like people to uh, reach out to you if they have any questions? Yes, I, I am on LinkedIn. Matter of fact, I'm on LinkedIn a lot. Um, I do produce uh, a number of different sales and commentary videos for Veritas for videos, some of our solutions. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, it's all about having fun. <laughs> so yeah. uh, LinkedIn, you can find me just by the name and also on Twitter. You can also find me by my name, Brian White. Um, and you'll be able to see my content is there. Um, 
uh, in that fashion. So, but I do want to leave with one thing when it comes to mm-hmm. data protection. The last mm-hmm. thing I want to say when it comes to data protection, always test your recovery process. Hmm. Sounds simple enough, but always test it. You know? Gotcha. <laughs> All right. You've, you've heard, heard it from Brian. So, um, definitely check out Brian's content. You know, that that's exactly how I was attracted to the brother because it's like, man look at this video like this dude he is like very passionate you know he's enthusiastic and he's putting a different spin on on his content and you know having fun with it so you know that's exactly why you know i have brian on the show so you uh enjoy the rest of your week and thanks for coming on the gumbo hey i appreciate it take care stay connected thank you Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.